Why are people flying from all over the world to Barefoot Rehab in New Jersey to work with Dr. Chris Stepien and the team he's put together? You're going to have to listen to this episode to find out. What's up, Active Lifers? I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host. I'm joined today in studio by Dr. Chris Stepien, a good friend of mine from all the way back in the chiropractic school days. He's evolved to put something together that is truly remarkable. And for those of you who are looking for interesting ways to expand your mind about what could possibly be true about how people can start to get out of pain and stay out of pain long term. This is a podcast you're going to want to listen to. It's the kind of podcast that you end up sharing with a friend who probably needs to hear about this. Hint, hint, share this with a friend. If you find this episode to be valuable, Make sure you head to wherever you're listening to it. Leave us that five-star rating. Write us a review. That's the lifeblood of podcasts. We need you to do it. We want you to do it. Help us grow. Help us bring more guests out like Chris into studio. Let's get you to the show. Dr. Chris Stepien, welcome to the Active Life Podcast. What's up, dude? What are you laughing at? You laughing at the clap? You're funny looking. Funny. <laughs> Can't see your ears. We're off to a rip-rousing start. <laughs> so I am. I am. My wife loves that. I mean, it's probably nice to pull on a massage. Oh, I never even thought of that. There's some like ref- reflex points in there. Mm. See, what people don't know right now, because if they're watching this, they're seeing it on, on video and they're saying, he's got headphones on. How does this guy know he's got big ears? Well, the answer is, I know Dr. Chris for, this is disgusting, 18 years now. Dude, we've known each other long enough for our relationship to vote. Silver Fox. That's me. Getting old. <laughs> I'll remind you we're the same age. (laughs) We're both dying. (laughs) All right. Well, Chris, welcome welcome to the studio, man. I'm excited to have you out. Thanks for having me, brother. My pleasure. Uh, I want to jump right into it with you. When we talk about adhesion release, which is what you, I consider world class at, right? I mean, I'll set the stage a little bit for people to understand. Dr. Chris and I went to chiropractic school together. And the last year of chiropractic school, you were like, dude, you got to get in, you got to, you got to learn this stuff. You got to learn this soft tissue stuff. And I was like, shut up, just shut up. I don't want to hear from you. I just spent $150,000, $200,000, whatever it was, and three and a half years learning something else. I don't want to learn this other thing that, that may even be bullshit. Right. Uh, we went to take active release techniques together and it was like, you know, you come home from something like that and you think I'm, I'm, I have the power of God in my hands now. This is amazing. And then I started treating everybody's sciatic nerve because that was everybody's problem. It was the one thing that was easy to feel, easy to treat. And then you turned me on to a different kind of education, which was with Dr. Bill Brady at the time. He's been a podcast guest way back in the day. Uh, and one of the reasons I've told you this before that I actually left clinical practice is because I was like, I'm never going to love this as much as Chris does. And I'm never going to be as good at it as Chris is if I don't love it as much as Chris does. And if I'm never going to be as good as Chris is, I'm never going to love it as much as Chris is. What does that say about why I'm doing it and should I even keep doing it? So you and your, your pursuit of excellence consistently was a catalyst for me starting a new chapter in my life. And so I appreciate that from you. It's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Uh, what is adhesion release? Yeah. So the people in chronic pain, we treat similar populations. It's, we come from chiropractor field. There's chiropractic, there's physical therapy, there's massage therapy, there's acupuncture. One of our working hypotheses is that there is a secret problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One of the most common causes to chronic pain that almost nobody is talking about. That's probably causing your issues. If you struggled with pain for a long time and tried all of those things that I listed for before. So adhesion is this gluey fascial stuff that glues down muscles, nerves, tendons, ligaments, and is likely responsible for a large portion of people suffering in pain and can probably get permanent sustained relief if they get their adhesions removed. No, it's not myofascial release. No, it is not rolfing. No, it is not active release technique. It is adhesion release and it 
certain principles need to be respected in order to break that adhesion well? I think, I think the best, I'm trying to think of the best path to navigate here so that people can understand what it is, why it's different, how it works and why it's not bullshit. And I want to start with the objections to it. And then we'll dive into, because I think that working through the reasons why those objections have merit and are unfounded at the same time is a useful way to describe how what you're doing works. And for anybody who's listening, this is how I ran my practice. It was, it was adjacent to what you do in yours. We weren't exactly the same. But the reason why people were flying out to see me is because I did this kind of work. It's the reason people are flying out to see you. There's something to that. Neither one of us were world-class marketers when people started flying out to see us. So there was something to somebody getting a result, sustaining that result, telling a friend and a friend saying, I'll get on a plane and fly out if it's going to be that effective. Mm -hmm. So why is it so easy and common for doctors, scientists, people who have legitimate authority in the, in the landscape to say adhesions are not a thing and people who say they treat them are full of shit. Yeah. Beautiful. So we can get into adhesion release methods soon, but we hired an operator six months ago and he's like, Chris, how do we, how do we franchise or license something about adhesion release? I was like, yo dude, <laughs> the skill set required in order to feel adhesions in order to remove, remove adhesions is pretty high level. Now, in the first round of adhesion release methods, which we'll get into the course, at about week three or week four, I'm really proud to say people, the doctors and therapists were texting me and saying, okay, this patient texted me and said, wow, I've gotten more relief than I've gotten in a long time. So it's possible to get results in a matter of a month learning these techniques, but understanding the principles required to break that adhesion and re being respectful of those principles and then actually consciously thinking about what am I, as a doctor or therapist, what am I feeling in my fingers right now? And is there actually what Dr. Chris says this adhesion stuff is under my fingers? Do I feel that or not? It's like you have to open up your consciousness and your headspace in order to be able to feel that. So when they do this research and say you can't feel adhesion, you can't break adhesion, when other doctors say, oh, you should go to jail, like somebody should arrest you, well – it's just there's, there aren't a lot of people who can feel this adhesion stuff or have been taught how to do it well. And that's why Dr. Brady was so brilliant is he started the system in order to teach it well. So it, it's, a, it's a big jump to the skill level required for doctors and therapists overall to say this stuff can be removed. So <clears throat> I want to get into what an adhesion is in a moment, but I will, I will share with you. When I interviewed Dr. Brady back in the day, I think it was like episode number, I don't know, probably first 20. And I'm, I'm over 400 episodes in now. So if you're listening right now and you're like, this, you says episode, <laughs> this doesn't say episode 400 on it. We did like 200 plus episodes and then kind of restarted the podcast in a new vein and started with 001. So that's why you're not seeing all 400 show up in that way. Although they're all available in our Libsyn channel online. Now, when I talked to him, one of the things he said is he's like, look, if you just stood outside of a Walmart, and you gave every person who walked through a golf club and a ball. And you right. said, try to hit this ball within 10 feet of that cup, 100 yards away. Perfect conditions. He's like, out of 100 people, it's likely zero of them would put the ball within 10 feet of the cup. But if you did the same thing at a PGA event, with the top golfers in the world and you gave them the same tools at the same distance. And you said, go ahead and try to hit that ball within 10 feet of that cut. He said, you probably get pretty close to a hundred of a hundred who do it. And the ones who don't are going to be within a distance where you say, I bet if I gave that guy a few shots, he'd be able to get it within 10 feet mm -hmm. where the Walmart audience is, hitting cars in the parking lot that are in a direction that's not even where the cup was. And what he was describing is it's reasonable and understandable that people would say this stuff isn't real because they don't mm -hmm. dedicate their lives to being able to do it. Mm -hmm. But the proof is in not only client testimonials that are anecdotal from their experience, but in 
quantitative measurement of clients' uh, anatomical change, their physiological range of motion changes, the biomechanics, the things that just you can't fake. So what is an adhesion? Let's start there. Sure. People generally seem to know what fascia is, the spider webbing that's in between. Pretend they don't. Okay. Fascia is connective tissue. Connective is connecting. If we're going into words, I know you like words, fancy mm-hmm. boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the spider web-like tissue in, in and around between muscles, ligaments, tendons, nerves, it basically keeps our muscles from sagging off of our bones. So they're finding that it has feel. It has all these connections to the brain. It's very involved with emotions and trauma, all kinds of other stuff. So – when the fascia becomes either overused around muscles, if you're doing bicep curls a thousand every single day, like like me, I'm seeing it. Stop it. <laughs> so if you do just a thousand bicep curls every day, overuse, or if I get hit with a baseball on my bicep, the body will have a protective response. So restricted blood flow, free radicals form, fibroblasts come lay down collagen fascia and then the adhesion forms. So it's basically, I picture it's like a little piece of gum or glue inside or around muscles, ligaments, tendons, nerves, and bone that causes the muscle then to not be as fully flexible as it can be. And then it won't be as strong as it can be either. It can't contract. So what you're describing there, the way I'm hearing you describe it. And, and of course I have, you know, the cheat sheet having gone through yeah. the same education is if you can imagine a sausage, the inside, this going? The, the inside of the sausage is the muscle. Uh-huh. The casing yes. around the sausage is the Beautiful. fascia. Yes. If we damage the fascia, there's, a, there's an inflammatory response that the body undergoes, and it lays down effectively thicker material that yes. makes sure that the fascia doesn't get ruined in that location anymore. It's yes. protective. Yes. And now, over time, that can limit the, arra- the, the range of motion a muscle can move through or tendon or ligament can move through as a result of the casing around the sausage, not being able to move as much. Right. Okay. So the immediate question that, that seems to debunk this as nonsense is if that was happening, wouldn't we all over time just lose the ability to move all together? Wouldn't this just be all encompassing as we do micro trauma through exercise and whatnot? We fall, all of this kind of stuff. We sit wouldn't the fashion just become debilitating for everybody? I mean, generally aging is mm-hmm. this between joint degeneration and fashion adhesion that's built up, but the body can recover from a certain level of muscle damage to the extent that we allow things to heal and recover with nutrition and sleep and stress and all that other stuff. So I think it's just a matter of the timing of how quickly the overuse of the trauma, the insults to the body, um, or the the length of healing that's allowed to happen. Mm -hmm. What I think you're describing there, and please correct me if I'm, if I'm mistaken is if we took, if we took, for example, like a, a piece of wood and we broke it in half and then we glued it back together with Elmer's glue, it it would probably still be broken. If we glued it back together with Gorilla Glue, it might still be broken. If we cemented it together, it ain't moving, right? right. And so what happens now is the body's going to lay down a different quantity, quality of yeah. adhesion that you're describing. And the lower quality, the less significant, the body can kind of remediate on its own. As the fascia stretches, it may fall away, it may decay, it may be replaced by healthy tissue. But there's a level of injury, often caused by repetition or acute trauma, Mm -hmm. where what gets laid down is too significant for the body to break down on its own over time. Correct. Okay. How do you differentiate the two? Which one of those processes occur? How do you differentiate this is something that will go away on its own as compared to like this is something that needs to be removed for a better for lack of a better way to describe it remediated I don't necessarily have a way I have a way to address which one of those processes is happening mm-hmm. so generally speaking we should be able to maintain our range of motion over a length of period of time mm-hmm. and generally maintain fitness and or continue to increase fitness until we're getting into older age so as a general rule of thumb whether we have a certain level of fitness, 
or certain level of range of motion, we want to stay there. Or if we have decreased range of motion and we want to start increasing that range of motion to get healthy and fit, if we're doing a month of some type of fitness plan, which includes strengthening movements and flexibility, stretching, dynamic stretching, Mm -hmm. whatever, in that 30-day period, you better be a little bit more flexible or more functional in that range. If you're the same range of motion, um, the same functional range, then there's something going on. Mm -hmm. So I basically give people a 30 day window to do whatever you possibly can to increase this range of motion. Mm -hmm. And if nothing increases that range, you're either dealing with some joint degeneration and or adhesion, usually a combination of both. Mm -hmm. And is there anything that you're doing for joint degeneration? Remove the adhesion, do the strengthening work that you guys do, dietary stuff, sleep, then get you as fit can be. And then once you hit a ceiling, let's say all that's maxed out, then you just be mindful and manage around the joint degeneration. Okay. So we'll come back. Maybe we'll come back to joint degeneration. Maybe we won't. What I want people to understand about that is something that is degenerating is degenerating as a secondary process from a set of conditions. Mm -hmm. Unless you had a trauma, right? That's different. And then there's a whole different conversation to be had. But let's say, for example, you're, you're, the cartilage in your knee is breaking down. You're starting to see arthritis in your spine on x-rays and all this kind of stuff. That's a result. It's not a cause. It's a result right. of either the position that you're in, the way that you're eating, the stress you're dealing with, the way that you're sleeping, the way that you're exercising or not mm-hmm. exercising. All of these things are factors that lead to that either speeding up, slowing down, or even reversing. Mm-hmm. And what you're describing is treating the adhesion, which changes pressures, if you will, around a joint because mm-hmm. of the way that muscles are now going to tug on it. Soft tissues are going to tug on it and allowing for a different environment where more healing can occur. Mm-hmm. So all adhesions, if I'm understanding you correctly, are inside of soft tissue structures. Yes. In okay. and around them. What do you mean by around them? Well, so muscles, adhesion can be inside muscles and can be around muscles. Muscles can, or adhesions can be around nerves and also inside nerves. So within the whole context of all the different stuff, adhes- can adhesions be in bone? I don't know, but I wouldn't put it off adhesions to be inside bone too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends how we define this stuff, I guess. Well, so now the next thing is, I remember, I don't know if you still do this, but it used to say on your Instagram, uh, we help people who have been in pain for six months or more and seen five or more healthcare professionals, three, three or more healthcare professionals. Why was that important? <clears throat> Why wouldn't it just be, if you're hurting, come and see me? Yeah. Um, nobody cares about adhesion. <laughs> They're like, well, we're having this conversation about adhesion, but what people do care about is, okay, I have horrible pain. I've seen all of the normal doctors and therapists that everybody tells me I could see. And now I'm really scared because I don't know what to do and nobody says that they have a possible answer. I don't have any hope right now. Mm-hmm. So somewhere along the line, we realized that who we were really excited about helping is people who had pain and they couldn't find relief. We realized that we were good at helping those people. So we realized that qualifications, having at least six months of pain and seeing at least three other doctors or therapists, those are people that we were really excited about helping because they usually loved seeing us and getting the relief they they wanted. The other cool part about it was for other the other adhesion doctors and therapists is nobody can really market or say that besides maybe surgeons or people who prescribe marijuana or um, you guys or it efficacy needs to be high. You need to be able to deliver on that promise. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so <laughs> it's really cool to be able to say like, I can do this. And so sometimes when we'll get people, other doctors and therapists who are upset at us on Instagram, and I'm, I'm not seeing any other chiropractor, physical therapist, massage therapist isn't great or getting great results. What I am saying is that, if you're able to treat this market, this market is really suffering people in chronic pain and you better tell those people exactly that you can help them. And so usually I would see that they can help those people six months, three doctors or therapists if they are truly treating adhesions. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that other doctors and therapists conventionally aren't amazing, but I am saying that if you are helping that market, please tell that market, the chronic pain people that you're, that you can help them. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what you're describing there, and, and this is something that I never did in terms of the way I would market it. 
what you're saying is you might not be suffering from an adhesion problem. And if you're not suffering from an adhesion problem, I don't want you to spend your time, your money, and your hope flying out or making a four-hour drive out to your clinic for the help that you're not going to be able to get. And so try all of the conventional things. Do the, you know, do the, med- do the medicine if they say the medicine's the thing. If they maybe don't get the surgery just yet, right? But, but try the physical therapy. Try the chiropractor. Try all of the things that all of the people are telling you is going to work. And if one of them works, you don't need this. If they don't work, all roads lead to us. And now, is that you're nodding? People can't hear nods. Is that is that accurate? <laughs> so I had a virtual consult a few days ago with a woman from France. Richie, our patient advocate, comes and tells me like Elise is ready to fly over here right now. And I'm like, okay. I look at her history sheet. I look at the picture on her history sheet. It's it's an effing Christmas tree. Am I allowed to curse? Yeah. It's a fucking Christmas tree. What does that mean? It's a fucking Christmas tree. <laughs> it, she, it's, first, it's beautiful. She did a great job. But there are dots all over the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, crap. What, so, no one knows what that means. Okay. So, so apologies. It's okay. Thank you for helping to clarify. You're welcome. So there's a, a diagram of a human being, the front and the back. On, on your the, form. On, on a history form. Okay. And we ask them to circle or to dot the locations of their pain. Okay. So in an ideal world, they like they circle their low back and their butt cheek. And that's straightforward. And like we mm-hmm. have that. This woman painted the whole picture in this beautiful – it looked like she took 20 minutes to color the dots on this picture. And I was like, shit, this is not good. <laughs> and then whatever else she said, I don't know if there was some emotional trauma – um, some mold. Or well, is there anybody who circles that much who doesn't have emotional trauma? I don't. I don't want to generalize too much, but there, 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 there that's to be. <laughs> okay. But yeah. So um, what uh, she? I was like, this looks like a fibromyalgia. I'm putting quotation marks. Right, right, right. Um, rabbit ears. This looks like a fibromyalgia case. And she's like, do you believe in that diagnosis? I was like, it doesn't matter what I believe in the diagnosis. This looks like it goes under the category of metabolic and emotional stuff, whether it's mold or Lyme's disease or some chronic virus or you have mineral deficiencies. And yeah, you can fly out to New Jersey uh, if you want to see us, but I would much rather you see a functional medicine doctor. And if you're thinking of New Jersey, we've been re- referring people to the Goldberg Tenor Clinic, which is a functional medicine clinic in Georgia that has a very good track record of fixing these chronic issues. So if you don't have anyone else that has a really good reputation, I recommend you go there, work with them for three, six months. I bet that your pain levels are going to come down. or whatever, then if you decide to fly out to New Jersey, we will have a much higher success rate because I won't having a tug of war with whatever's going on with you metabolically and emotionally. How did she respond to that? She was asking me more questions about adhesion. Mm -hmm. And then I just emphasized, I would really like you to deal with your function, your fibromyalgia first. Mm -hmm. And then I'm here for you. You have my email address. We can talk to you. And she said, okay, Thank you. This, what, what, what I'm understanding here is this is a person who is into what you're doing. They, yes. have, they have watched your stuff yes. probably for months, if not years. And they've been like, you know what? I need that. I trust that guy. He's consistent. He says the same thing all the time. His patients say the same thing all the time. That's where I want to go. So she got in the call with you and you identified maybe, maybe, but my ability to help you get better is drastically improved if we eliminate all of this background noise mm-hmm. because there's signals coming through that are false flagging stuff that mm-hmm. I'm going to have to evaluate. It's going to cost you more money. It's going to cost you more time. There's going to be less efficacy to everything that I'm doing. We're going to get there, mm-hmm. but it might not solve all of the problems because you might still have these metabolic issues causing you pain in areas that there is no adhesion. There is no joint mm-hmm. dysfunction. Uh, and she had to swallow that. As I'm telling you, not yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How often do you do that? As much as necessary. <laughs> how much does it happen? If you get 100 phone calls, how many typically end up like that? With a referral somewhere else, do you think? We try to be really good about qualifying people on our social media. But I would, I would say 10 to maybe 10 to 15, 10 to 20% of mm-hmm. people. And then I imagine there are people coming to you on social media who you're able to do that for before they even make the call. 
yeah, we have we have a VA in our inbox, and she has all the questions that she has to qualify people with before they actually get on the phone with one of our patient advocates. Mm-hmm. So we just want to help people steer them in the right direction before. If we're not helping everybody who comes in so they can trust us, then as soon as we start losing trust, that's when the whole thing tanks. Sure. How often do you fail? All the time. Well, you just described if you're not helping people with what they come for, the whole thing tanks. You've failed, obviously. We More all than I wish that we failed. Okay. So last that we measured, we had an approximate success rate when we take on a case of about 80%. What which, is success? Which means that the person is going to the end of the case and in our mind has some level of relative happiness which usually means in an ideal world, they're getting somewhere between 50 to 50 to hundred percent sustained permanent relief. Sometimes we've had people who are continued to be in longevity care with us and they've only gotten 25, 30% relief, but they're ecstatic because they were in such bad pain. Right. They had zero relief prior. Yeah. So it's seeing out the full case, which is 16 treatments. They're not stopping at visit five or visit eight, or we're not stopping because we're saying, okay, you need surgery. We found out some other piece of information. So, Okay. So 80 to 85%. No, I'm sorry. 80. 80%. The 80 85 was people you say no to. With the other side of 80 85 was we say no to them. The 80 85 is we take them as patients when they ask. I believe so. That's 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 where I was getting. <laughs> so 80% of patients you have success for. And success the way that you're describing it is they made an improvement that mutually you agree with them was considered successful. In other words, they are happy with the outcome of their care after completing a course of 16 visits. Yes. It would probably be helpful to say we generally have a five-visit rule, and in five visits or less, we expect to get some percentage of permanent relief for them. Mm -hmm. So usually at visit five, sometimes we push it if it's a really chronic issue to maybe like visit eight or visit nine. If we're not getting some relief, we're going to say to them, this is not working. Here's the rest of your money back just because – Like a prorated refund. Prorated refund mm-hmm. um, just because it feels like the right thing to do. And unless they're really begging us to or unless we have some type of strong inkling, there's still a lot of adhesion left. It looks like it's trending in the right direction. Their ranges of motion are improving as time goes by. Then we'll continue. But we really want to – we try to be very sensitive to the fact that we don't want people to be 16 visits in and have 0% relief. How frequently are you treating them? And meaning, meaning the 16 visits, we can get to why 16. Yeah. How often are they coming into the office? Typically twice a week. Okay. So if somebody's coming over from Paris, for example, this woman needs to plan to live in the States for nine weeks. It varies. So just today we have finished treating a woman who's up from Charlotte. She was up for about three weeks and she's got two treatments four treatments a week. So two doubles. So that's like 12 treatments in three weeks. Um, today there was a woman who's staying here four hours away from Pennsylvania. She was here on Wednesday and Friday last week. She went home Friday, came back Monday, Monday, today's Wednesday, and then Friday, and then she'll go back Friday. Mm-hmm. So she's doing two doubles. She Her body can handle it. So she did four treatments last week. She's doing six treatments this week. And she has enough stuff in her history with her low back issues that we're able to load it enough, do enough dosage of damage and have her not completely hate me because mm-hmm. she's in so much pain. So that, so that what it comes down to is it's not a, it's not a pleasurable experience to have this stuff treated. And what you're describing is some people can tolerate more than two days a week, but two days a week is the minimum that you would want to see somebody. Typically, sometimes we'll do once a week. We've had other people flying for one treatment from California and then go back. Why? So, they're just uh, why do you, why, why are you taking that person though it sounds like you're not going to be able to give that person the outcome that they want i'm not always involved with that conversation as much as i like to be or i don't always catch it mm-hmm. um sometimes they're just saying like this is what i want to do and i'm still at a place of curiosity with where they are from an exam standpoint and what i can feel and the better i get at feeling this stuff the more likely I may be able to find, especially the nerve entrapment that's causing a lot of their issues that could really just liberate them. So it's like, it's, it's a little bit of a game to say how fast and how big of a jump of relief can I get that actually lasts to help this individual. Mm -hmm. So if I understood that part correctly, sometimes people will fly out and for one visit, you would prefer that not to be the case more often. We usually tell them at least three treatments. Okay. Yeah. 
So can you, based on your success criteria, can you consider someone who saw you one to five times successful? Definitely not. Okay. Although, I mean, it depends. We have to play that scene out. Right. <laughs> no, I, look, I hear, I, I, when I was back when I was in practice, I remember, I'll never, I'll always remember treating this guy, Rob. Um, he couldn't, he was a CrossFitter. He couldn't even look at a jump rope. Walking was painful for him. And it got to the point that if he didn't have the light, he wasn't crossing the street. And this guy was in his twenties. He's like, I, I like, there's nothing, there's no way I can continue like this. So he was talking to surgeons. They didn't know exactly what was going on. It was this like, we'll explore. We can do exploratory surgery. MRI showed nothing. I was treating really, really deep uh, into his tibialis anterior and taking him through dorsiflexion, you know, actively moving his foot through dorsiflexion. So for those you who don't know what that means, bringing his ankle to where his toes came closer to his shin bone while I applied pressure um, into the muscle on the backside of that bone. And as we moved through that, I was actually in the space between that muscle and another muscle. And as we were moving, it was, we both felt as if somebody had just pulled the guitar cord and let go of it. And I looked away because I'd never felt that before. And I was like, I am scared to look at this guy's face. I don't know if a muscle just tore. I don't know if he's in excruciating pain or what. And then he's like, did you feel that? I was like, yeah, I did. And I turned back and I look at him like, how, how did it feel? He's like, I think you just cured it. I was like, no, that's never happened before. And he stood up. He's, he's like, yeah. He starts jumping around, grabs a jump rope, starts jumping rope. I'm like, stop, stop. He's like, no, dude, it's gone. I don't know what it was. It's gone. To this day, I imagine it was two muscles who were, they were basically adhered to one another. They weren't getting the fluid. They weren't getting the, um, the lubricant between them anymore because they were stuck. Now they were released from one another. So they would get the lubricant. The problem would be gone forever. So I can imagine somebody with the skill set that you have, which is better than the skill set I ever had, would be able to find that kind of stuff and solve for it regularly and nerve adhesions and things along those lines, freeing things up that just will now move freely forever. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You find the high priority <laughs> spots. It's basically we do an exam and at the exam we're feeling like 20 different tissues. Mm -hmm. So when you're feeling like the spot that it hurts and then they identified five other spots and you're feeling this spot, this spot, this spot, this spot. And then the person in their head, they're like, he just felt all the spots that I pointed to. Because most people, what they come in and say is my doctor therapist didn't even grab my shoulder. It's been hurting me. So when you identify all those spots and then you do 15 other spots in that area and every single time – you're when you feel adhesion, you're at the, the person's like wincing and they're like, Oh, that hurts. Right. And they're like, yeah, it hurts a lot. So then you're just filling out this whole picture for the, the patient to really trust you. And it just makes it easier to figure out the high priority areas. Once you feel all those spots to say, okay, this is where we need to start treating. This is our best bang for a buck. And this is likely what's going to get us a big jump in relief from visit one. Mm -hmm. A common argument that, that, that goes against all of this kind of stuff is that you can only apply so much pressure, and if the muscle was that fragile, they would just be tearing all the time. So how do you break down specifically the adhesion without damaging the muscle tissue? That's a great question. First is being able to identify that I'm on an adhesion because mm -hmm. if you're just straight up on muscles, then you will bruise and damage the muscles. Second, I do bruise muscles all the time. Um, the, it's the principles about – Is that a mistake when you do that? Did you make a mistake? A mistake. Like, did you press in the wrong spot? I'm, I'm, I'm curious when you said um, – Bruising of the muscle is effectively showing that we, we, we created damage in the muscle tissue. My gut says no. Okay. Um, I, mean, I mean, my technique can always be better. I remember seeing Dr. Brady had bruised people before, but I can always be better. And the bruises probably some people just bruise. You go like this. I have the woman from Pennsylvania, I go like another, I go like this and then she's got a bruise mm -hmm. and her dog goes like this with her tail and she's got another bruise mm -hmm. over here. <laughs> right. So, no, it's it's a matter of the principles. Um, it's a vegan, right? 
She's protein. She's I mean, like, <laughs> I've always been this way. I don't know. <laughs> and she smiles and laughs. And I'm like, cool, Stacy. Okay. She's good. Um, it's the depth and the tension. It's okay. the principles. So depth is straight down and into the muscle tissue. You feel the adhesion and the texture, and then you create tension immediately on that adhesion in the way that produces the most pushback in the shortest tension set. So it's respecting that principle to make sure that you're on the adhesion and you're focusing just on that connected tissue and you're generating the tension force, like pulling a rubber band apart with your fingertips, because I know you guys can't see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're doing good. Then, <laughs> And then that's what allows the adhesion to tear and not take, what is it? Casualties of war, I call mm-hmm. it. So we're trying minimal casualties of war. We just want to get the adhesion to break down. The way I used to like to describe it to people uh, who would come with that reasonable question, oftentimes even if they did it in a closed-minded, smug way, would be to describe like if you had nail polish on your nail, <clears throat> is is it reasonable that we can start to scratch that polish off without damaging the nail? Yes. If we just pressed into the nail polish as hard as we possibly could, would we break down the nail polish? No. Great. So what would we have to do in order to break down that nail polish? We'd have to scrape. We'd have to pull in a direction. We'd have to be deep enough with whatever the implement was that we're using to to pull it off. And we'd have to do it consistently. We'd have to the same spot every time. And once you feel a weakness, you can keep going back to that weakness and growing the spread from there. Yeah? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, well, then why would you ask how I can do this, assuming the only way to do it is downward pressure, which we we both agree would never work. That's interesting. They're saying that to you. No, I would go to, you like, would say that to the them. response I would give when someone would say to me, I could put an elephant on your back yes. and it's not going to break down yes. the adhesion. So, and they would say, so, so how are you going to do it with less force and not damage the muscle? I'm like, well, if we take into consideration vector, a direction and a depth. Well, now all of a sudden what's happening is I can pull nail polish off the top of a nail without damaging the nail. Got it. But if I have to just take a metal nail and a hammer and bang straight down, of course I'm going to damage the nail tissue. And that for them was like this moment where it was really hard to not be able to see how it's possible anymore. You're really good at metaphors. So I'll take the elephant metaphor further. Mm-hmm. The elephant steps on a rubber band. The rubber band's the adhesion. Mm-hmm. The elephant gets off the rubber band, pick up the rubber band. My son Bear is four years old. He takes the rubber band and goes like this and Stretches tears it apart. It. No, he can he can tear it. He can break a rubber band. Right, I'm talking about pull. It's, it's you, a tension force. Right. So it's the force of the elephant's the compression force straight down to the tissue. It's the tension force right on the adhesion that needs to be able to break it. Well, and, and even... In other, in, in another way to think about it, to simplify, is to take that same rubber band and put a drop of super glue on top of it, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I can an elephant stands on it. The super glue is going nowhere. Yes, but if we put our our finger right to the edge of it and then pull the rubber band through yeah. it, the super glue pops off the top. Brilliant. Um, I just wanted to get that out because I know that it's one of those things like people the the arguments I see against the stuff that you do, and I want to get to doctors online giving you a hard time, and then doctors not giving you a hard time, finally coming around. The arguments I see are they're 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 great. There's good merit to why those arguments make sense, and there's an answer to why those arguments fall apart when you actually go down go down the path. What I would find interesting, and I wonder if you've ever done anything like this, is a doctor saying something along the lines of, "If I put this in front of thirty different doctors, they're all going to find adhesion in different places." And treat it in different ways. I wonder what would happen if someone brought a patient into your clinic who you didn't know and had you and all the other clinicians in the practice evaluate them blind. Meaning, I don't get to watch you. You don't get to watch him. He doesn't get to watch her. She doesn't get to watch any of you. How similar is what you all find? It would likely be very different. So how, does that does that tear away at the merit of it if you're finding different things? Sure. At the end of the day, does the patient get better with what methodology? So I, I appreciate where your head goes and mm-hmm. that you can tell like where active life has gone as far as growing it. I'm still very much in the, in the dealing with one-to-one patients. Well, where, where, my, where my head is going for that, just to give you clarity. Is, Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, 
I believe there's efficacy in what you're doing. I've right. seen efficacy in it. And what I want to be able to do is present all of the ways in which somebody would say there isn't and, and got it. Give you the opportunity to answer that question. Because when podcasts like this happen, when it's over, the naysayers like, yeah, well he didn't yeah. ask him this question. Got it. Got it. You're so smart, man. Thank you. Yeah. It's what I default to is I default when I'm talking to an individual I'm generally speaking to somebody who's in pain Mm -hmm. and I'll usually talk about our success stories, our, um, our failures on social media, our principles, our philosophy. I try to open up my heart and share everything about me, showing my depression. I ask people to intuitively feel into their body to see if they feel like I'm somebody who can be trusted or not. When I'm talking to them about their pain, they'll tell me what their options, what they're considering. I'll usually just try to put on my coaching hat and steer them through. And then I'll typically say, look, if your pain's not bad enough and you don't trust me or us, you shouldn't come to see us. Mm -hmm. But if your pain's really bad, here's our success rate. Here's how much we cost. Here's how much it'll hurt or not hurt. Here's where we're located. We're probably going to hug you. We're going to give you some chocolate almonds. Do you have an almond allergy? Do you have a nut allergy? <laughs> so we just like, this you is all of some chocolate almonds today, dude, I screwed up. Unbelievable. I gave you a different present though. Yeah. We'll talk about um, that in a minute. But yeah, it's, you know, I try to say everything about us similar to what you guys do at active life and just, you can not come or come. So I'm, I'm usually speaking to the person who is in pain and they're hurting a lot and it's there. I need to get better at zooming out and addressing some of the objections like you're having me think about right now. I don't know that you do. If I'm being honest about that, I think that something that I think you do really well is that's cool that you think that I got, I don't really care. My job I'm speaking as you, uh, not in your voice, is to help the person in front of me. Not to convince you that I can help the person in front of me who already believes I can help them, who I know I can help. And that's something that, that's an area where you and I have diverged over the years. And I don't think that there's a, a better in one or way. a worse. I want that fight. I want that I fight. I w- oh, yeah. You know, uh, you have more testosterone than I do. I don't know about that. There, I, I'll, I'll share an example of, of, of this fight that I actually had with somebody fairly recently online, right? There was this guy who I chose this fight for a very specific reason. I think you'll understand it fairly quickly. There was this guy who commented, a friend of mine made a post um, disagreeing with me. He did a really good job. A friend of yours. Yeah. He did a really good job disagreeing with me. Um, if we ever had the conversation... He'd look a fool. Pat Barber, if you're out there, if we ever had the conversation, I'll fucking rape you with this. He red teamed you. I don't know what that means. It's just a concept of anyway. Yeah, I would just (laughs) – like I wouldn't – it wouldn't be – it would not have to be a high conflict conversation for either one of us for us to reach mutual agreement, not to leave the room where I said – I destroyed you. You're a fool. Do you understand why? Great. Bow at the altar of me. It wouldn't have to go there. We would be able to end the conversation with a, I didn't realize that's what you were saying. And that's right. There, both of it is. Got it. Um, we haven't had that opportunity yet because he had a baby. But Pat, anytime you want, man, you know where to find me. Um, now, this guy who doesn't know that we're friends. You know, and Pat, by the way, to his credit, said to me, I made this video. Are you cool if I post it? I was like, of course. <laughs> of course I am. Put it out there. So um, spread my gospel? Go for it, bro. So this guy climbs into the comment section. And he's like, don't you love it when fake doctors um, say stuff and they, they say doctor on their Instagram profile just so that they'll have uh, – credibility but they really don't know anything they didn't really go to real doctor school the irony is the last two letters of this guy's instagram profile were md and so i'm like we're gonna have the conversation (laughs) so what i said in the comment section said i want every coach reading this to understand something here this is a person who looks down his nose at everybody who has not gone to the same school that he has 
who has not studied the same things that he has studied. He had to go online to look up what kind of a doctor I was to decide if there was merit to my argument. Mm -hmm. The reason I keep the doctor in my Instagram name, the reason I go by Dr. Sean, is so that people like this allow me into the room where decisions are made and allow me to get a sentence out that either brings value or doesn't, that allows me to create a relationship and develop trust or lose it based on the merit of my argument before they decide that I have no place in the conversation or that I do. And this guy just demonstrated to everybody in this thread that it's necessary, unfortunately. And then he started backpedaling. Like, you don't get to backpedal. It's okay. You didn't bother me. You didn't upset me. You gave me a case study that got to happen in real time. I love that. I love it. And when I went to the merit of my argument, of course, that his, his stuff fell apart there too. You're more stoic than me. Everyone's necessary. A hundred percent. Somebody needs to hold the justice. A hundred percent. That's right. Um, People should know, though, you're, you're more than happy to go through the wall. It's, it's, it's not a weakness. Where it's necessary. Right. My buddy from high school, he was at a bagel store, and this was a while ago, a long time ago, mm-hmm. and he was with his girlfriend at the time, and there was a guy behind them, and he grabbed her butt. And he gets his bagel and goes to sit down in, a, in the, what's it called, the booth. Mm-hmm. And then he goes up to him and says, can you come outside with me? I would like to talk with you. And the guy's not looking at him. He says, I just really need to talk to you right now. You did something that's not okay. Was it, this, was it your friend's girlfriend? Was it someone he knew? No, it was my friend's girlfriend that he was with. Okay. So some random guy grabbed his girlfriend's Yes, butt. yes. Long story short, eventually the guy didn't even look at him. Dan takes the bagel out of his hand, <laughs> walks outside to the window next to the window, and he starts waving it by the window. It's like, I got your bagel. Come get it. <laughs> and he goes back inside, and he says, next time you're going to grab a woman's butt, you should really think about what you're doing because I could at least just beat the shit out of you right now and make this really not fun. <laughs> so hopefully you'll learn a lesson from this. <laughs> so you basically just took the guy's bagel, and we're waving it in front of his face. <laughs> and sometimes that's necessary because you might have saved that guy from getting killed if he does that to the wrong person. For sure. So, <laughs> but you're right. It's, it, you know, it's, yeah, you're right. Uh, I like doing it. I'm, I'm there for the conflict when it needs to be had. And I try to do it in a way that I think everybody gets to learn from. Uh, and sometimes it's at someone else's expense. Never when they haven't tried to make me look foolish first, though. It's always with empathy. I know how you defense. need to be spoken to. It's in defense. Yeah. So... For years, years, I'm talking, I still lived in my apartment. It must have been 2014 when I first started saying, Chris, man, you have to start teaching this stuff to people. The place that we get it from is not accessible enough for us to be able to to use. Like people aren't, go- it's just not a welcoming opportunity for someone to come and learn how to do this. The world needs more people who can provide this kind of treatment so that people, no disrespect, don't have to fly Mm -hmm. to your clinic or at the time to my clinic to get the kind of support that they need. If I understand correctly, that water has finally started to creep through that rock of a skull of yours. (laughs) Dude, this is thick head. I know, but it's okay. You're starting to teach people now. Yes. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, Dr. Brady stopped teaching in 2020, mm-hmm. um, sometime around COVID, I believe. And myself and a few of the other doctors were just talking, this system that he first started just cannot die. The patients who come into our office, who crying in our office, who just express how their lives are made better by it. It's I'm always somebody that I'm realizing more and more that the things that I do in practice, I'm basically just trying to help myself from the suffering that I went through or I'm going through in life. So because I've suffered so much, it causes me to really just want to serve and help people who are suffering in other ways. So when Dr. Brady stopped teaching, um, first I asked some of the other, his instructors, I was like, are you guys going to do this? Because 
it makes sense for one of you to do it. And Dr. Lytle and Dr. Brandon Cohen at Precision Health Group at St. Louis are teaching the Dr. Brady's old students, but they don't have the capacity to take new students on. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking around and I probably did the most training sessions with Dr. Brady individually, one-on-one. And so I was like, shit, is it me? Do I have to do this? I don't have time. I'm stressed out. I'm depressed. I'm bipolar. (laughs) I don't have space (laughs) for any of this. And so, um, yeah, in January, we launched Adhesion Release Methods, which is an evolution of integrative diagnosis, Dr. Brady's system. This weekend, we have our first accelerator weekend in New Jersey with five of the doctors and therapists. Nice. Um, we've had one doctor out of 13 or so drop out. He couldn't spend the 30 minutes a day that I asked him to. And I'm not looking to wouldn't. make this the next. Go ahead. He wouldn't. He, w- he wouldn't. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm not looking to make this the next active release technique where we're getting 200 doctors in a big room i'm looking to make some killers Mm -hmm. like i want to i would love over the next three years to find 50 to 100 high level doctors and therapists who are like okay this is amazing i'm intelligent i know how to work hard maybe i've won some championships as an athlete before and i want to dominate my state or my country so that's my plan. So that's what we're starting with this weekend and these trainings. And um, I'm looking to just help people become world-class at fixing adhesion because I believe that similar to you with your – we have very aligned missions, but mm-hmm. the chronic pain market is gigantic. Mm-hmm. And who's really taking a chunk out of it? Well, look, here, here's, here's what I'll say is when I've had – I mean there's been a case when I've had a high-profile high client fly into town to talk to me about work and about working out. You've come out to support that client while they were in town. So I own a company for people who are listening to this. Maybe it's their first time listening because they're one of your, one of your followers who saw a post and said, I'm going to go listen to Dr. Chris on this podcast. I own a company that helps people get out of pain without going to the doctor or going to the gym from anywhere in the world. And when I had someone fly in from California to New York, I asked Chris to come from New Jersey to New York to provide support to this client in a way that we can't as a company because I thought it was in his best interests, his being the client's best interests. It works. It works predictably. It works consistently. And it works permanently. What I... What I find inspiring about you starting to finally educate other people on how to do it is two things. You talked a lot about your suffering. I want to get into that a little bit, but I know you through multiple versions of you, right? I know you from school when we were both idiots to (laughs) all the way to now. And what you teaching doctors and therapists says to me more than anything else is that at least in some way you finally see the value that you're able to bring to the world. And I have a lot of respect for that. And that inspires me. means a lot, man. You will. So I still remember when, you know, my first girlfriend cat mm-hmm. and I had never experienced a breakup before mm-hmm. and she had broken up with me and I was like, what the fuck is this? Right. <laughs> like all these emotions and shit. And I'm 21 or 22. Um, and you were one of the people I used to walk everywhere and it was like 12 o'clock one day and you drove your car as I'm walking on the street and I got in the car and I was like telling you how heartbroken I was and you were like there. And so I've, yeah, I didn't know if I was going to share this, but I was like, I never forgot that man. That's cool. (laughs) No, it's, it's good to hear that because you know, Anyone who listens to me on a regular enough basis understands that I've gone through my own metamorphosis over the last six years. I've changed intentionally who I am, how I see myself, how I show up. And it's not, let me go back instead of making it a negative, I always intended to show up the way I'm showing up today. And it worked for some people, for the people who communicate with themselves in the world similarly to how I did, They always knew how much I cared. I just didn't know at the time who those people were. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm right on. It was shotgun approach. 
I thought it was everybody. Right. And then as I learned, it wasn't everybody. I was like, oh, I wonder for whom it was. And so to hear that from you is validating and it feels good because you've always been an important person to me in my life. So you said 50 to 100 in the next two to three years, I believe. Um, why not 200 in a room if 200 in a room want to be killers? The question is the learning curve. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm playing with the learning curve. So the first thing I need, to, I'm considering, I don't know if you're familiar with Alex Hormozzi. I'm obsessed with this guy. Um, but I love the way he did a podcast around a legitimate educational program, which I was listening to your podcast on the drive over here. And I was like, oh, he's doing the same thing that Alex was talking about, trying to make it legitimate like Harvard does. But he was saying how. Was he talking I, about NCI? I don't know what that is. All right, anyway, keep going. <laughs> um, he's like, you need to, if you're trying to create a legitimate program, you need to get the best possible performers at a school or on a team who are going to be with you. Mm -hmm. And in order to get that, you're going to have to get much bigger exposure than you need to get. Mm -hmm. So I'm not as good of a businessman as you are, but I was, and I was telling my staff, I was like, I think I just need to make the online system completely free. And they're like, don't do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're stupid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Please don't do that. But, but I've, appreciate what that would do which is it would just give people access overcoming a barrier to see how beautiful the system is mm -hmm. and then when i if i could get a thousand people in the system in the next month then maybe maybe 200 of them who are the top performers and are already good at chiropractic physical therapy massage therapy would say i see what you're doing and i want in on this mm -hmm. um so right now all i have is a seven day free trial for the system in the course um so it's just a question of the learning curve. Can I get the right people who are highly motivated, intelligent, want to learn, and then to do the hands-on training? Because mm -hmm. that's how I evolved so fast is I realized that I wasn't doing the hands-on training with somebody better than me. So I need to get people in New Jersey to want to do the hands-on training with us. You left something out there. You realized that you weren't getting the hands-on training enough, and so you went and paid someone to do it with you. Got, so Dr. Brady, Dr. Lytle, Dr. Carl right. Natoli. You went and got Chicago. it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, just, I wanted to make sure that people didn't hear – I didn't have people around me who were better than me, so I evolved really fast. Sorry, I no, missed. It, it okay, was, yeah. it was. I didn't have people around me who yada yada yada, and so <laughs> I saw people out who were better than me and put myself in the room with them. Um, I do know who Hormozzi is. I'm. I'm. You don't like him. I don't want to know him. Got it. So I can't decide if I like him or not because I've Respect. never met the guy. He's never done anything wrong to me personally. Um, I think he's brilliant. He's a person I don't want to be from what I see. Uh, and I have, I don't want to add to that yeah, because anything like that. I would be talking about after that would be, um, speculation and I've never had a personal interaction with him. So I think that's, that's kind of low blow bullshit kind of stuff. Uh, what I will say is the inspiration you drew from him, I think is spot on. And I would give that whole thing away. And the reason I would give that whole thing away is give everything away that is not the thing you do. Yeah. And maybe you might have to have some kind of, like talk to a lawyer. You might have to have some kind of a disclaimer on the front and it says, we are not teaching you how to do this for medical purposes. And you may not take this information and use it to treat anybody in any way. You sign here certifying that you understand access to this knowledge is for entertainment value and not for practice value. You might have to do something like that. You said I'm a better businessman than you. I don't know if that's true. Ask a lawyer. <laughs> I'll explore. Okay, thank you. Um, another thing that, you, that, that I know you've done that I'm sure is included in your teaching is you've implemented tools, mm -hmm. right? So I have one in my pocket, actually. boy. I've got a tool in my pocket. Uh it's called the grit bar. Yes, sir. Right? When would somebody use a... I dropped it. It's bad luck. It's not bad luck. Knock on wood. I don't need to knock on wood. Why'd you knock then? Just in case I was wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, when would someone need to use a, something like this? Okay, cool. So first, there are six steps to adhesion release methods. I'm really proud of this evolution from Dr. Brady. I was going to say sh this is new. He should have thought of this. <laughs> <laughs> You're smart as hell, Dr. Brady, but... I got you here. So step four of adhesion release methods is 
pick the right tool. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of people who say, oh, I'm doing just active release technique or I'm doing just grass or I'm doing just gua sha or I'm just doing the shockwave. Well, we have found that you need the best tool for the area you're treating for the right patient that you're treating. Love it. So 10% of the time we're using the grip bar, which mm-hmm. is the metal instrument right that we here. use. So if you're looking, if you're watching this thing, I'm holding it right up. It's about the size of a credit card. It weighs maybe a half pound. It's pretty light. Yeah. Um, and it's got angles on it that I'm sure are very intentional and a width that I'm sure is very intentional. Yeah. The, sp- the specific diameter or bevel is important. Yeah. Um, so we use that on certain areas of the body that it is quite effective. The plantar fascia, the shins, pretty much anywhere from the elbows down, a little bit of the neck, a little bit of the low back, the knee capsules, the meniscus in here. You keep talking. I can hear you. I'm going to put this up in front of the camera so they can see it if they're watching. I'll keep talking. I'll, I'll hear you. Okay. Just keep running that mouth of yours. I'll keep running that mouth. <laughs> so we were, we use it and it works really well. And then I'm one of those people who – I really want to make sure that I'm delivering as much value as possible. And I know that people use various tools for their body and they get value from them. And there was a part of me that said, okay, if we're really trying to cure cancer from a trusted advisor sales perspective, they need to just be your patient. And then we're having people, especially during COVID, DM us on Instagram and say, yo, I'm in India. I need Mm -hmm. help. (laughs) <laughs> I can't fly to New Jersey right now, mm-hmm. but I need help. <laughs> and I'm like, shit, I can't fly to India and help these people. So I got over myself a little bit and I said, if people tell me that they're getting value from this instrument that I produce and create, is that enough for me to want to create this instrument, this tool and give it out to people, even mm-hmm. though they're not doctors? And I decided that it was yes. So in November, we tested out just 40 of them, sold them asked the people, I was emailing the people a lot and just saying, are you happy with this purchase? It's $125. Did you get value from it? Did it help your feet or your shins or your hands? And people generally like, this is really awesome. You should try to get this out to more people. Mm -hmm. So we have another batch coming in tomorrow and we're probably going to start producing this for people. And I'm creating a free course in different body areas where people can say, okay, this is how I do my flexors. This is how I do my extensors. This is how I do my palmar fascia. I have tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, knee capsule, so that I can get better results because I'm getting grit, mm-hmm. which is a sign that I'm tearing the adhesion. And it's helping me have more flexible joints and less pain. A few things I imagine are true about this. Number one, the angles are on purpose. Correct. So there, there's a there's a use to that, not what's, a marketing. Tool. What's fu- what's funny is that your tool is a little bit off when it comes to the angles. It's like your face. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. So my prototype is not perfect. Correct. Don't tell. But me. it still gets great because you could try. It. It, it'll be great I'm compared sure be to great. Larry's. I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> Fuck Larry's. Um, the 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 other thing I want that like I've seen people use guasha tools, which they can buy for fifteen bucks online. Correct. This is not going to be fifteen bucks. One hundred twenty-five. Why? because of the parameters of it because it works and it's called the grip bar because a tool that's meant to tear fascial adhesion should get grit by the sound the crunch it makes and you should be able to feel it it won't feel smooth so people are like what is that sensation under the instrument i'm like that's grit mm-hmm. so brilliant marketing if I say mm-hmm. so myself with a grit bar, is it, a good tool needs to get grit. Unless you're fascia blasting, which you're trying to remove cellulite, or you're gua you're trying to paint something red and create an inflammatory response. Right. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about for a second is I, I know the way that you would use this. And what I've seen people do with stuff that looks like this and can be mistaken for something like this is basically paint someone's body. Yeah. That's not what's happening here. These are much no. more precise strokes Correct. or smaller strokes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh there, I mean, we could go on and on and on and on. In a way, I, I regret not getting more into your personal story about your own suffrage and things along those lines because I think that there are people who would have valued listening to it, but I'll tell them is, it's real. It was there. It's there. Uh, and maybe we talk about that another time you come on. I love that, man. Is there anything you would like to leave the audience with that maybe we didn't get a chance to talk about that would be a good little take-home for him? My biggest problem is the 
lack of doctors and therapists wanting to learn about adhesion. Mm -hmm. I have a massive amount of people DMing us on Instagram asking for adhesion specialists where they live. So the demand is gigantic. What I would like to see, what's part of Chris's mission is to, I need to get more providers wanting to deliver to the chronic pain market. Um, so I don't know what this means, but if you know people in chronic pain or if you know doctors and therapists that are gung-ho on wanting to fix the chronic pain market, not from the fitness route like Active Life is doing, but from a soft tissue route, um, I would love to talk with them personally to see if they can be the next adhesion release methods provider. Uh, and then I'm also excited – at some point, we need if we really want to be a premier chronic pain clinic, then I'm also excited to see where your flagship location goes because we're also not addressing strengthening mm -hmm. the way that I should be. Well, I've told you every single one of your patients who graduates should be coming to us next. I've done a shitty job. They've got new range. Yeah. The new range is weak range. Truth. Every one of them Truth. should at least have a conversation with us about whether it's interesting to them. Patients, you're hearing this right now. <laughs> Dude, go, go, go back through that list. You. We we can have a conversation off air. <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, Chris, where can people find you? At Barefoot Rehab on Instagram is probably the best place. All right. Uh, listen, this is my guy. I love Chris. I've known Chris since 2005. Uh, I've brought him out to work with celebrity clients. He's come out to treat me personally. The, the worst thing in the world that could ever happen to Chris would be for him to make a promise to you, not be able to keep it, and know that he lost your trust. If he tells you he can help you, he can help you. Chris, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks, brother. It means a lot. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Live Podcast. Please remember, give us a hand, rate it, review it, wherever you listen to shows. We are on a mission to humanize the healthcare industry by professionalizing the fitness industry to empower the individual to live a life unlimited by the way that their body looks, feels, or performs. If you are inspired by that mission and want to jump on the wagon, find us anywhere. Active Life Professional on Instagram. Active Life Rx on Instagram. Come to me personally at Dr. Sean Pastuch. We want to welcome you onto the train. We want you to be a part of the mission. We want to offer you the opportunity to pursue this right alongside us. We're inspired by your effort, and we hope to help you in your journey. Turn back.